But when it starts to become legalistic and uses the guilt to make people to change their beliefs, that's when it becomes problematic. Now, whether we want it or not, unavoidably, we are part of a tradition. And the issue here that I want to address is how desperate and how fanatic are we that we pass this tradition on as a legacy? Now, what sort of my view of God would I want to pass on to Amelia? It's serious. I remember I used to have an old set of keys. Actually, um, I said to Jane today that I will use hers because I asked her if she had the keys to the church today and she says they might not work because they're very old. But I used to have a set of keys and in that set of keys, probably there were six or eight, I needed only three of them. Two of them had probably lost the locks and stuff, but still they were part of my legacy of the key ring. <laughs> and I carried on using them and tearing my pockets with these keys that I would never use or I didn't need anymore. But because it was that part of history that I used to have a lock such and such, it's gone, it's busted, but because it's part of history, oh, you never know, like my dad would say, you never know when it will come again handy. <laughs> and sometimes we've got those old keys in our tradition that are useless. All they do is tear the pockets, damage. They don't serve a purpose anymore, but we'd like to carry them anyway because it's part of our history. This is what we are proud of. Is it time to pull them out and use only the keys that we really use for the purpose? Don't misunderstand me. I, have, I can be a traditional Christian and I can be very conservative at times. That's not the idea here. The idea is here that how much am I able to come to that place of vulnerability and test the tradition with God's words? So when they ask me the question, 
When Amelia asks me the questions, how did you end up having a song during communion? Which is nothing wrong. I'm just using this as an example. That I would not be able to tell her that, oh, because that's the way I grew up. Or that's the way we do it in Albania. And we cannot change it. But we're able to say to the next generation, the legacy, that we have looked into this with God's words. And it's him who has convicted us and not our comfort zone. Do you get my point? So are we willing to come and ponder and think in that capacity that we allow God's words to verdict the way we do things we do. So in other words, what's the motive behind all of this? Now, it's intense as a passage because it's not only, Jesus is not only trying to break through the tradition of religion. He's trying to teach, to, to, to really penetrate them in their hearts. Because the problem here, it's not because we've always had it like this. The problem here, it's a heart issue. But also... Jesus is not only breaking through religion, but he, or the tradition of religion, but he is breaking through the whole social and geographical aspects of the life. Because after his conversation with the Pharisees and then gathering back his disciples, Jesus, Bible says that Verse 24, and from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Sidon. And he entered the house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. So he goes into another territory which was a Gentile territory. It didn't have anything to do with the Jews. And what I've been thinking, especially yesterday, I thought it's very interesting how Mark wants to make sure to make the contrasts between the territory of the Jews and the territory of the Gentiles. Because he's going to make a good point here. Now, we've got this Greek lady, which is actually Syrophoenician. And she approaches Jesus with a, a very valid demand. A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now, this is very interesting. 
Who wouldn't do this for their own child? To know that you've got Jesus coming to your neighborhoods. And to know and to realize that he is doing miracles. He's making people feel better, healthy. So she goes and she says, and Mark has to write this down, the woman was a Gentile. So it was not like what Jesus met just 20 verses ago. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. A bit harsh. But she answered, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon had gone. Now where is Tiggy when you want her? Or Teasel and Tess? But I've been reading some commentaries about this passage and there are a lot of people that are writing that Jesus is being very harsh and I even said it. But I'm just more fan of the whole idea that Jesus is trying to make a distinct and is using this as a in a figurative speech and the the dogs that are here it's not street dogs like we've got in Albania and you don't have in this country it's proper English dogs that eat proper dogs food I've seen it. It's the pets around the house. And Mark needs to show this contrast that did not make a big show like the Pharisees. But he needs to write this because he's recognizing that there are people that are not Jews that want God to change their lives and believe in what Jesus can do because he's the only one that can do it. So in other words, Mark is writing this to put these guys to shame. Now, as I said, it's not easy to interpret. But this woman is desperate. Her daughter is in a great need. It's amazing how she manages to be so brave to talk to Jesus about this. And she says that your crumbs 
are the small benefits of this grace in my desperate situation. Now, would Jesus accept this interpretation? Yes. She was brave. She was humble. She was hanging on the hope that only Jesus could change her life. But one thing that comes from this passage is that she was not asking the children to throw the crumbs. But she was asking the master of the house who had laid the table. Do you see the connection? Plus, on top of that, she is so brave, not only she asks the master for the crumbs, but she's, she goes one step further. She claims a place in the household of the master. And Jesus admires and honors her faith. Do you see the contrast that Mark is trying to paint here? The Jews want to find faults in the followers of Christ. Some Gentiles want to benefit from Jesus' grace. And how does Mark begin the gospel? He says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, of course, that this gospel is first for the Jews. This is the turning point. This is when Jesus unfolds a new point for his ministry. That his grace is going to reach out not only to the kids around the table, but it's going to be extended to the whole world. Starting with this Greco-Phoenician, Greco-Syrophoenician woman. And it's very important for Mark to write this down because, of course, he's got a Gentile audience. They need to read, they need to hear that Jesus has not only come for the Jews. Yes, he has, but not only for them. This gospel, this good news, which may be bad news for the Pharisees, is reaching out and is becoming good news, not only for the Jews, but it's becoming good news for the whole world. And that's why Mark starts the book, this is the beginning. Because you know what? We're experiencing it nowadays. The gospel of Christ is good news for us. 2,000 years and still going on. The master has broken all the boundaries that can hinder anyone 
that wants to come to him through faith in his death and the resurrection. And this is the good news of the kingdom. The master has broken all the boundaries that can hinder anyone that wants to come to him. May he be traditional, like the Pharisees, or a Gentile, a pagan. Anyone who wants to come through him, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what makes the kingdom good news. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight of the blinds, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Master has done that breakthrough. Do we want to join in? Let's pray.